everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, Episode 6, A Tip of the Hat to Fedora. This week we're going to take a look at Fedora, the developmental branch of the venerable Red Hat Linux. Red Hat is, uh, in many people's minds, synonymous with Linux. When you think Linux, you think Red Hat, at least in the business world. Uh, I think more and more in the uh, uh, consumer space, Ubuntu is becoming synonymous with Linux. But still in business and network administrator guys, Red Hat means Linux. And today we're going to talk about uh, how uh, they get their development work done. They have an entire distribution developed to that. They then take the... Uh, best of that and roll it into their Red Hat Enterprise Linux, and we'll talk about that a little on, but first let me introduce our guest. As always, first with us is Mr. Chris Neves, known as Slipped in our forums. Hey, Chris. Hey, how you doing today? Doing good. And once again, in studio with us is Mr. Seth Anderson, who I don't think is actually in the forums yet. Have you signed up yet? No, I no. did sign up. Oh, okay. I just haven't been there much. Are you Seth in the forums? I think so. Okay, so there you go, Seth. Uh, and then Mr. Aaron Butler, our noob in residence, who is known as former fat guy in our forums. Good evening, everyone. Hey, guys. Glad to have you with us. Okay. Glad to be here, Mark. First off, this is a very important topic, M&Ms or Smarties? Oh, uh, definitely M&Ms. <laughs> Chris, what's that's, that that's... about? Why did you put that in our show notes? It was just something that came up the other day. Um, my lovely wife was asking me what should what should she pick up for our trip that I'm going on this uh, weekend that I'm that we're hitting on, and uh, I just couldn't figure out what type of goodies I wanted in the car on the way up to the to go to the airport. And finally, I decided that you know I was curious to find out what everyone else was like. Uh, personally, for me, it's Skittles. Skittles, nice. Uh- well, if, if I have to pick a hand candy, um, I actually prefer Reese's Pieces. Nice. nice. Taking me all the way back to ET. Um, that's my, that's minor preference. But if I have to go second from that, then it's peanut M&Ms and then regular M&Ms, then Smarties, then Skittles. And I haven't got a hierarchy beyond that. And now you know why Aaron has a diet, uh, podcast. Cause he right. has a hierarchy of snacks. <laughs> uh, yeah. Peanut <laughs> M&Ms. Conquer your enemy. You must know your enemy. <laughs> there you go. Uh, my favorite out of hand eating snack is Whoppers. I love Whoppers. Oh, that explains the, uh, the chocolate on your mouth every time I see you on the webcam. I'm like, what is that on Mark's face right there? <laughs> no, no, that's a goatee. It's a, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm still, I, I'm still waiting for the peach fuzz to develop a little bit. You're not trying to grow a stripe, are you? <laughs> no, no, that I save that for, uh, it, for the people listening, that's in reference to a friend of ours uh, who has had this rather fuzzy leech-looking thing on his chin since we knew him in college. Uh, just recently, I had lunch with uh, with Seth here, our co-host, and our friend Russ, and uh, I arrived late uh, uh, because I was actually recording a podcast and didn't get out in time. And I showed up, and of course, they were already seated, and I told the waitress, I'm looking for a fat guy and a hippie. And she took me right to him. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's true. That's funny. All right, what else we got to talk about today, guys? Well, I came across this article that talked about the Linux desktop. No, wait, 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 wait. We've been talking about candy and hippies. You can't talk about Linux on a Linux show. What are you thinking? Well, I mean, it was in the warm-up. Crazy talk. So. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. 
No, um, I'm, I had never heard of Jack Wallen before this, but apparently he does a blog on the Tech Republic where he talks about open source and Linux things. And he was talking about how all of the different desktop, desktop options in Linux could possibly fracture the Linux community. And as we all know, the Linux community is so united and we're all one big happy family. It was just an interesting article. Um, his thing was he just decided he was going to jump in with Ubuntu and install the latest version and got the Unity desktop, which he immediately proceeded to disk for the rest of the article. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he had no great love for Unity. And um, and then he talked about how, um, you know, and then he just kind of ranted a little bit about how there's so many different Linux desktops. You can do GNOME, but which version of GNOME? You can do KDE, which is like the other big gorilla in the room. And then he listed a whole bunch of others I had yeah. never heard of. And what, what LXDE and Lightman XCFE, uh, what else? I, I'm just, those are off the top of my head. Uh, well, that was it. There was one more. Uh, let me scroll down to it here. Enlightenment. Uh, yeah, XFE or XFCE, Enlightenment KDE. Let's see, there's no IceWM. Uh, I'm trying to think of the ones I've used o- over the years. Um, it is Black ridiculous. Box. Yeah, Fluxbox. Yep, that's one. Yeah, and um, he was, and you know, and so he was just talking about how it was going to get to where a Linux distribution was going to lock down because um, Ubuntu said moving forward, it's pretty much just Unity in their distro, at least he quoted something from the article. And right. since it's on the internet, it must be true. Um, and then, you know, and he talked about how people were going to get caught in the crossfires because you have the big distributions doing their own desktops and all the little distributions, nobody's left to develop right. the core Linux things. And people were going to abandon Linux because of it. And I rec, I liken it to when Vista came out, how there were, everybody hated it, that there were so many different choices of Vista and you would get a hard, you would get a computer that said it was Vista certified. But what they didn't tell you is it was certified for the starter version of Vista or <laughs> as it's known in the professional community crap. Um, and then they would load Vista home premium on it and it wouldn't work. And they would take it back and say, Vista sucks. Seth Which, is bringing the venom today. Wow. Well, you know, I'm trying to channel my inner Sean, at least in the warm <laughs> and slam oh. somebody hardcore. Yo, <laughs> yo word. Um, it, it's an interesting thing because uh, you, you brought it up at the very beginning. Fragmentation is almost a uh, cliche in the Linux community. Uh, at some point, everything forks, you know, somebody yeah. says, I'm going to take my code and go home because they get mad at somebody else. It's interesting. Um, it I, I don't know that it's necessarily a strength or a weakness. I mean, that fracturing also creates diversity. And so that, that way you can honestly say to somebody, there's a Linux for everybody. If you want to use Linux, there's something out there for you. If you're uh, the godfather of the command line, you don't need any of that. You just got a terminal with white text on a black background. That's how you roll, right, Chris? Uh, no, <laughs> definitely not terminal only. Oh, okay. There's some things that a GUI is just, you have to have. Um, well, it, but yeah, I think diversity is probably the only reason that Linux has survived this long, uh, with the, with everyone's egos getting in the way and taking their code and going home, as you said, Mark, uh, it's, it's a great thing for Linux to be diverse, but it's also, it, it's, it, it's also its biggest weakness. Well, yeah, because, you know, one of the things about Microsoft is there is Windows and you might have two different versions of Windows, but you have Windows. So it's a product for the masses, whereas Linux, 
I mean, we just talked about the desktops. We didn't even talk about all the distributions. How can we hit the masses with all these little bitty bullets? So, well, you know, I think well, though, it's, it's going to be funny. A, it's, is, wait a minute, Aaron, you go ahead. I think it's going to be a thing of where though it's almost like free enterprise and with a free product where the best the best uh, versions will become the most popular because they're the most stable and most full featured, and then. Jimmy Joe, Jim Bob's Linux, you know, Blimbox or whatever he wants to call it, that has seven users will just go away because it is faulty and bad. And the ones that are good will continue to rise to the top. And that that branch will become a standard branch. And so you may end up with a half a dozen or 12 or eight. I don't know, whatever it settles into main branches that continue to move forward. But I think I think you'll see you'll continue to see that tributaries coming back into a, a mainstream tributaries coming back into a mainstream over and over. Hmm. Well, Apple has recently uh, slammed Android for being fragmented, uh, but look at how many Android handsets there are, and that that's that has uh, been a good thing for the market. There's you know there's all sorts of handsets that are running Android, not just phone handsets, but tablets and and cars and refrigerators. Everything's running Android, uh, and yeah, that's fragmentation, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. Okay, yeah, it was just it was just something to talk about. I mean, we can put the link in the show notes if people were interested. Yeah, that would be good. Um, and because, uh, I mean, so it seems like Aaron's point was that maybe the Linux community is still kind of too early to have a dominant player emerge, whereas Microsoft kind of came out of the early computing days when everybody was trying their own thing. Maybe, you know, I would take issue with that. Linux isn't too early. They've been around for 20 years. They're too disorganized. And it, I think it's that that's fracturing, key, Mark. That's right? Key. That fracturing leads to disorganization, and that's how Ubuntu came to uh, become the 800-bound gorilla in the room is because Shuttleworth organized it and threw a couple of billion dollars behind it too. But primarily, and also what we're going to talk about today, Fedora and Red Hat Linux is is, an, is a company. It's organized, right? And so I think it's not so much um, diversity or fracturing is a bad thing. It's it's a lack of willingness to work together. Okay. Yeah. Like it. Cool. Yeah. People's egos get in the way. And let's face it, Linux Linux guys have egos. They do. Um, not nobody. Nobody on this podcast, obviously. Uh, but no, no, of course yeah. not, Mark. <laughs> Mister Humility is what they call me. <laughs> and if they don't, you make them. <laughs> That's right. They so, call okay. me whatever I tell them to. <laughs> Let's move on to uh that's interesting in, in this in this podcast if you stacked us all up we're like 27 feet of people and so yeah we we carry some weight literally and figuratively. Uh all right guys so let's move on to uh the actual topic although I think that was an interesting uh side discussion but uh Chris you're the um Fedora ambassador among us first let's talk about what is a Fedora ambassador. Uh, well, it's pretty much what we're doing right now. Uh, it's just a Fedora ambassador, somebody that the Fedora has, community has said that um, if you need support from Fedora, that they will give you the support. So something like if there's a conference going on close to me, I could say I want to set up a Fedora booth to bring Fedora to people uh, that don't know what Fedora is. Um, they would help me with like flyers and CDs and DVDs, uh, stickers, uh, banners, and, and you know the the 
stuff that you'd get at a conference, all the different uh, bits and pieces. Um, they're also, if you, once you get into the, you know, the, the fresh ambassadors are a little more uh, outside on the wings, but once you get, once you've been around for a little bit longer, you also get to know the people that have been in Fedora for a long period of time, and these guys are your, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't call them neckbeards, because I, I consider some of them my friends, so, uh, but they are the, the command line gurus that, so to speak, the, uh, the guys above most Linux people. Um, a lot of them have, you know, good knowledge of everything that is inside of Fedora. Um, and not just Fedora. There's a couple of them that know, uh, more of the underpinnings than, than they, than most, than some of the other people. But, uh, that's about all of, uh, really a Fedora ambassador is, is just someone who brings Fedora to the masses. Okay. And so as a certified Fedora ambassador, give us a uh, rundown of what Fedora is. Uh, what are the salient points about it that make it different from other distros? Well, I would first say, well, you did a pretty good job bringing Fedora up early in the show with, it is a, the crucible that we burn all the crud off for Red Hat Enterprise. Um, currently, it is listed on DistroWatch distro as the number third distribution that gets downloaded. Um, it is as close to being a enterprise grades version of Linux that can possibly be the bleeding edge. Um, they have the newest and greatest of everything that is... Um, the Fedora based or the Red Hat based type of system. Um, they, that means they run the RPM, um, when it comes for, uh, packages. They are also right now the forefront of our running with, uh, GNOME as our default, man, uh, w- window manager. Uh, GNOME 3 is the current version and it's a, uh, a big difference from Unity, but not. And we'll touch on that in a little bit. Yeah, I think Seth um, had some comments Fedora, about GNOME 3 when we get there. Uh, yeah. Let me jump in with a quick question. In, I, in the I previous have show, we, too. <laughs> Go ahead, Aaron. Anyway. Previous show, we talked about OpenSUSE. Uh, and re- refresh my memory if I'm wrong. That was the... They have a flavor of OpenSUSE that's directed at the at the uh, corporate... SUSE um, Linux Enterprise Desktop, SLED. Yes, that's it. Yep. Thank you. And so is this a competitor... Yes, um, in the sense direct. that you were saying, this is like the most ready for prime time. Is is Fedora kind of and Sled kind of the the choices that a business might make if they're wanting to roll Linux out to their desktops? Uh, Red Hat and Sled would be compatible, and OpenSUSE and uh, Fedora are comparable. Actually, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. Red Hat began; they started this model, and then uh, SUSE Linux copied them for their business model. Is that is that how my history is that right? Yes, that's as far as I know. That is that is correct. Right. So originally it was just Red Hat, and Red Hat hired. Uh, they had their own core of team of developers, but they also used community, uh, you know, amateurs working on their code. Uh, and then after mm-hmm. they would have a development version, 
then after when uh right around 2000 am i right on that um they spun off um fedora and made it its own distribution uh so that you could have uh before that there were these development things but you had to wait until they got packaged into red hat before you could use them then they made fedora now it's its own entirely freestanding distribution but it's still the development branch of red hat enterprise linux did i get that right yeah, pretty close. Um, it was originally started in 2003 under the banner Fedora Core. Core meaning it's the core of Red Hat. You know, like a, a Red Hat is what a Fedora is. Right. Um, that's how oh. they got that basic idea down. But yeah, 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 pretty much hit the nail right there. I was around in those days. I started my very first Linux uh, installation was Red Hat 9. Um, back before there was oh, a Red Hat. But back before there was a Fedora or a Red Hat Enterprise Linux. Yeah, my first version of Linux that I purchased from the store was Red Hat Seven. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and let's let's talk about that. Yeah, uh, Red Hat Linux has never been free, and neither is Red Hat Enterprise. No, Linux. it's no, it, it's it's. Um, I'm I'm not sure what the current dollar value is now for it, but I know when I picked it up. It was about twenty dollars cheaper than Windows. Right. Now, what it is, uh, the way they do it is, I don't think you pay. Well, you do. Yeah, you do have to pay for Red Hat Enterprise Linux, uh, but it comes with support. So really, what you're buying is the support, because you can use CentOS uh, Linux, which is all the Red Hat packages minus the Red Hat branding. So Fedora releases both of those, or Red Hat releases both of those, the the de unstable development Fedora and the fully stable, exactly like Red Hat Linux, CentOS. And that's what I use on all of my servers. That's my basic install. I go with CentOS, uh, which is exactly the same thing as Red Hat minus the logos and branding and support. There's no, there's no support for that. But with Red Hat Linux, you pay for the package and it comes with support. Yep. So a question would be then you're saying that like Fedora and CentOS are, would be like, um, Windows desktop and Windows server comparability. I mean, just kind of for people coming from a Windows world. I'd say that's accurate. Yeah. Um, although it, well, yeah, that is more accurate than not because, uh, often server is desktop with stuff taken out. <laughs> it's right. generally not the other way around. Desktop has all generally most of the server stuff with other things added. And so that's kind of the way it is. Well, yeah, like even with Vista, like, uh, service pack one was also, I think, a service pack was the exact same service pack right. for server 2008. It just, you know, depending on which operating system you had on your desktop. And that's the way it is with, uh, Red Hat and Fedora. The, the update packages are the same. Okay. Right. Okay. I think we, covered all of that move move on along chris the other thing that uh, i'll bring up considering you brought up scent um centos does cover or is a red hat equivalent but uh there's a little bit of there's a bunch of other ones that are also red hat enterprise level as well like uh scientific linux is also red hat based um it's almost a clone of centos but it 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 doesn't have the the weird community issues that I think CentOS has. Okay, like what? Well, one of the things that I've been and I, I wish I had my little note for where where I saw it at, but there was a 
um, some rumblings about how CentOS is uh, having a problem with their community, the developers versus their community, and how like the latest version of CentOS was supposed to be released or was expected to be released like three or four months ago when Red Hat 6 came out. If I remember right, I think it was Red Hat 6. I remember reading right? something about the the uh, rumblings in that community as well. And they were actually wondering if, if it was even going to ever release, from what I remember. Um, and they were starting to tell people to one of the, um, I don't, don't know if he was a developer or if he was a, um, a high up com, uh, committer, but he's actually been quoted, or I don't, let's see, it was on the DistroWatch um, podcast that they release weekly. One of, one of their releases said that the, that guy was actually telling people to transition away from CentOS to scientific Linux because of the, there's such, scientific Linux doesn't have that weird community that CentOS does right now. Okay. I'm not aware of, of any of that stuff. I just wait for a new version to come out and then <laughs> install it. So yeah, right. I mean, that's what most people do anyway. So, you know, most people aren't going to feel any any difference. But I know there was people in the community that were, you know, a little taken off by the fact that there was no word from the main guy, the the leader of CentOS, and about when the releases were coming out. People were committing packages and not getting any feedback for if it was uh, if the package was accepted or not. Um, it was just. Like I said, the the community, from what I understand, was it, it felt like it was community versus the developers. And anytime there's that type of clash, that's when you end up with a fork, and then you end up with you know people moving just because they moved, and people took their code and went home. Right, it's part of that fragmentation we were talking about. Uh, forking yeah. is uh, uh, Linux coders are worse than Baptist churches. You can't keep one together for, for very long before it splits off and forms another one. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, this was like, what, a year and a half or two years ago, and for a couple of days even, the the domain was actually down because the person who had the domain registered was, like, mad at the community or mad at some of the other developers, and so he... He took it off for a while. I remember that. He yeah, he suspended DNS calls. I remember that. Yep. Grow up, guys. Honestly. <laughs> I would just like and to so mention like one I quick said, thing. With with that type of a thing behind, you know, when you start looking at Linux distributions that you want to have around for five or six years, you know, then that's when the Red Hat and the SLED and those company based distributions start looking better. Right. Aaron, what were you gonna say? I just wanted to point out that we do have somebody listening to the live stream, and again, I brought them. Wow, that's it's one a different week. person. Is it has a it different been a, person? Has I it been a different one every week? Wow! Every episode, I've brought it, had a different person listen. I think I actually have two listening tonight. So, uh, I'm I'm very excited. about Your that. son doesn't count if he's one of them. No, he's not. These are actual adults, and um, my friend Jim here. He actually uses. He's got Mint running on both his machines right now at his house. Nice, cool. Okay, moving right along. This is now Moving right along to a couple of the bullet points for Fedora 15's release. Um, some of the things that they've improved upon from the last release of Fedora 14 was they did add some better power management support. 
they cleaned up the interface for their package management, uh, their ad software windows. They added something that is still, I wouldn't call it beta, I'd call it whatever's after beta, but not release, um, release, candidate. release candidate status, I, maybe. Um, a, a dynamic firewall, which means that you don't have to restart the firewall service in order for the changes to take effect. Um, Let's face like it, Windows end users there. don't use firewalls anyway. End users just well, trust Well, by default, stuff so the firewalls are on. That's true. Yeah, and Fedora is unique in that. Mo- uh, well, I don't know about unique, but unusual in that. Most Linux distributions yeah. do not have SE Linux or the firewall or anything else installed by default. Well, a lot of them, that's also whenever you're doing the install, they will prompt you for the question and say, do you want it on or do- off? I, just a survey question. Do you run a firewall, Chris, on your Linux distributions? Yes. Okay. Aaron, how about you? I do not. Seth? No, I'm behind my router at home. Yeah, I don't run a firewall, uh, and here's my reason. Unlike Windows, Linux has a an ethos of if it's not specifically told to be on, it's off. Whereas Windows ethos is if it's, it's on until somebody tells you to turn it off. So, uh, most of the time the fire, the ports that a firewall would block aren't open on Linux because you haven't told them to be open. Now, with new distributions trying to be more user friendly, uh, like Ubuntu and, and Fedora, uh, that may be changing and it may be a good idea, but I have never run a firewall on Linux. Chris, tell me why you do. Um, I do because like, a, well, my laptop goes with me in lots of places, and I just don't like the issue of having somebody uh, poking around at my system, um, especially when I go from, you know, at home, it's not too big of a deal because I'm behind my router, and at work, I'm not too terribly worried about it because I'm behind the works router and their firewall and everything else that they got there. Uh, but when I go to, say, you know, the coffee shop or you know, the a couple of the other places that my laptop goes with me, I don't, and I've looked, and just because I was curious, I wanted to see if there were other networks out there, and like for my command line tip later on, this is one of the ways that I'll tell you guys, this is one of the ways that people poke around to see what system, what you have, and if they're curious enough to poke at it, there's ways to get into it, especially with distri- uh, different distributions that are almost point-click, and you break into someone's computer. Okay, I'm not going to chase that rabbit too far. I don't entirely agree with everything you said, but we'll make that a whole other show. We'll call it Security in Linux. There you go. So uh, tell us a little more about what's new in uh, Fedora 15. Uh, Before we go on, I just want to say that I haven't played with any of the ones before 15, but you mentioned them cleaning up the desktop. Is there a chance they're going to put back some of the stuff they removed? Because it's kind of... um, like I just sit staring at a blank screen, not knowing what to do. Um, we'll, we'll get to that when we start talking about GNOME three. I okay. think. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's what two more bullet points away. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, the the next thing I was gonna bring up is they did. Br- I don't know if you guys use Spice at all, but it's a virtual desktop. If you were say uh, like a thin client type idea, but it's like remote desktop with lots uh, of better support for multimedia and different things like that. Um, I'm just touching bullet points for Spice because I don't personally use it. 
Um, I've seen demos of it, and it looks really cool, but it's now built into Fedora 15, so you don't have to install any third packages, third-party packages for that. Um, this is kind of a pointless bullet point, but it's they've upgraded their RPM system to 4.9, which is brings them almost current <laughs> with the current um, RPM system. We're now far, less uh, far behind than we used to be. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I don't remember what the I think the current one is five something. So they're close, but they're not quite perfect yet. Uh, but that's, you know, that's Fedora and, and Red Hat's push here for trying to get more current and trying to bring things into line because the newer version of RPM has a little bit of uh, extra bells and whistles that, oh, wait, I'm actually I'm looking it up right now to see if I can find a, what current version is, but, yeah, five. Uh, but, yeah, Fedora and Red Hat are both behind that behind that curve a little bit. And they have their reasons, and I don't know them. I, my, I can tell you what I think the reasons are, and it's all about stability. Uh, because this is enterprise stuff and because that's what they think about uh, from the ground up, uh, they will hang on to things long after other people have moved on because they want to make sure it's 100% secure and 100% stable. Um, I'm not a Red Hat uh, or a, a Fedora ambassador like you are, but that's my take on it is that uh, uh, Red Hat Linux uh, – and Fedora to some degree, but Red Hat definitely tends to lag behind other distributions for that reason. They want to wait until you get things exactly right before they put them in their distribution. But then we come along the uh, the next point, which uh, I think that we're going to have a nice long discussion about well, called but, Gnome but 3. Because I think that's going to be a long discussion, let's move that down toward the end a little bit. There are a couple other things I, <laughs> I want to hit. Um and one of one of them is almost one of those uh, uh, philosophical zealotry things. It's the holy war inside Linux. Linux users have a lot of holy wars, but this is a big one, and that is the free yep. versus non-free inclusion of things. Uh, Ubuntu comes down on one side, uh, Mint goes even farther in that direction, and Fedora comes down on the other side. And and tell us about that. Well, that would be the enco- uh, encumbered codecs like MP3 and drivers like the NVIDIA driver, what their thought is is that, yes, they are free as in you can freely download them, but they are not free as in open source. So their idea is that, well, we're going to be a free open source only distribution, and they will fight that tooth and nail. Um, so if you want your MP3 code, your MP3s to play, and you want your NVIDIA drivers or your um, ATI, not so much now. They're getting better. Uh, but if you want these third-party pro, pro uh, third-party codecs drivers and some softwares, you have to go out and install uh, something else from the RPM Fusion repositories, which is where your codecs and drivers and everything live. I think it's important to mention here, that doesn't mean you can't do it. That just means it doesn't work out of the box. You you install right. uh, Fedora on a machine and go to YouTube, you're out of luck. You're not going to be able to play YouTube videos. you got to go get Flash. You install Mint on a machine, you can go to YouTube right away. Um, uh, and that's that's an issue. There's legal issues, and then, but even more than that, there's the... the <laughs> religious issues. Philosophy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
and you know, there's, you know, the, that's one of those, that's a turn of the coin there that, you know, either you go with somebody who's going to put it in there for you or you go and do it yourself. And that's, that's the two basic ideas here. Fedora is, if you want it, you have to go do it yourself. All right. Um, also, the next thing you wanted to mention is uh, Fedora's, and we've already mentioned it a little bit, Fedora's take on uh, security is uh, different than most other distributions. Yeah, they have a system in place that is called SE Linux, which is a, I wish I would, I, I'll have to go find a, the link for it. There's a really good write-up video about S Linux on a couple other sites that I know of, and I'll, I'll bring that link and put it in the show notes after the show. Um, yeah, you're, you're breaking what up. What it basically is. You're, you're breaking up pretty badly. Let me repeat right. that. SE Linux, which stands for Security Enabled Linux. Um, and it's, it's right. sort of like a, an operating system level firewall, not necessarily for network traffic, but for everything. Right. And it actually is a, it'll inspect individual files. So if they've been edited outside of its environment, it'll let you know and, and pop up a dialogue tell you that this has happened and what you do to either allow it or what you need to do in order to reverse what has happened. Um, and Fedora 15, the SE Linux troubleshooter is to the point where you can, if it's, for example, if you install Wine, SE Linux doesn't like Wine. But it gives you the troubleshooting steps to enable the things that Wine wants to use. So that way it doesn't get in the way of your emulating of uh, Windows software. And if you're not familiar with what Wine is, go back and look at uh, Episode 3 of Everyday Linux. Just my little plug there. Yep, and then there you go. Um, SE Linux is one of those things, it's a, as long as it stays out of your way, you'll never know it's running. Um, I think the, the benchmark is, is a, it's a half a percentage with it on and half a percent with it off for computer usage for your, your standard CPU time. So the chances are you won't even feel it running. Um, and it's, you know, one of those ideas that, well, if you're going to have, if you're going to be secure, which Fedora and Red Hat have to be since they're U.S. government approved, uh, you need to have things in place. Okay. Um, the other thing... Uh, uh, before we go any go further, ahead, uh, we need to do a little... Um, technical issue here. Your connection is really degrading. I'm going to hang up and call you back. Uh, and while we're doing that, Seth, I want you to talk about your experience just today for the first time of installing Fedora for the first time. Okay. Well, I, I was, I have a laptop and I just stuck a blank hard drive in it because I wasn't ready to blow away my other uh, OS, but I just put the Linux DVD in that I downloaded at work yesterday and the problem was I had downloaded the 64-bit version, and my older laptop is only 32-bit, so I had spent the whole hour and a half downloading it only to find it wouldn't work. So then I have the live install CD that uh, Mark downloaded for me here, and I put it in, and then I it, it no problem, it booted up, and then there was a little thing at the bottom, install it to the computer. So I did, and then I restarted it. And, uh, after I restarted it, I just went ahead and I, I hunted through the, there's like this, this blank screen that shows nothing 
And when I say nothing, that's an over, that's a, I'm being generous. It's like totally blank. Uh, anyway, I was able to find and went to the software repository and ran an update because I'm, I'm a little familiar with doing that from other distros. And then so let the updates run and then I installed it. And then I went looking for software to install. And that was kind of an, an adventure and frustration. And then, um, after <laughs> I just finally gave up, I pulled up Firefox and I was going to go browsing. And of course I went to our website, elementop.com and it's like, nice I, plug, yeah, nice plug. Nice. Thank you. Uh, and so I went in and you know, there's, there's, there's a flash or it says there's a plugin missing. So I go to install it and I'm prompted with all these different versions and I did not know what to do. I kept trying to do yum because I always hear people like command line godfathers such as Chris talk about, you know, the <laughs> command line yum. So I pulled that one down. Down, like it didn't work so i did it again i thought well okay it installed it but i restarted firefox it didn't work and since we've been talking about the rpm i thought well why not let me just try it so i tried the rpm version of uh shockwave player and finally got it to work um i did have to restart firefox uh in order for that to work but i mean you know that's a pretty standard thing so i was able to get and now that i know rpm in fedora instead of yum I'm sure any other plugins that I come across and need, they won't be that hard. But so now, because I was going to do this show using the show notes and everything from my Fedora uh, OS, but I wasn't able to, so I had to pull out my Windows machine. But I have since resolved that, and I'm looking at some of the websites we're pulling up over here on my Fedora box. But it is weird because I the only way I have found to shut it down is I first have to log out and then I have the screen where I can shut down. And to me, that's like one step too many. So, Chris, the um, okay. the blank screen that he talked about and the not being able to find thing and the not being able to shut it down, those are all symptoms of GNOME 3. So GNOME 3. So let's dig into that basket of worms. <laughs> that is the uh, the redheaded stepchild, so to speak, of Fedora 15. Is the three, um, does that stand for the third level of hell? <laughs> Just a thought. <laughs> Sorry. Good one, Seth. Yeah, Thank package you. dependencies, which you're thinking of. That's the third ring, the third ring there. Um, to, to clear up your shutdown issue, you have to hold a key in order to get the... You have, what, log off right now when you... Let the, uh -huh. Up in the right-hand corner? Yes. Yeah, if you hold... I think it's control... It should, after you show that window, press control. It's a controller alt, and then it changes it to shut down or power off. Ah, I love secret keys on, on computers. It is with the alt key held down. You can't just, uh, you can't just click it once. It has to be held down to give that option. Now, if Apple yep. did this on a Mac, they, Steve Jobs would be crucified for not even, you know, for not being able to turn off your machine. But for some reason, uh, people are widely adopting GNOME 3 when it is clearly half-baked. It's, it's maybe a quarter-baked. Can you give me, well, it, as, a, as a Fedora ambassador, can you give me any good reason for that at all? Um, no. Okay, because thank you very much. Fedora, for, <laughs> I was going to say, there is a way to get around that that hold the key down first, there's a couple of packages you can install that change the way the GNOME 3 shell works. Um, I think it's, if you go, if you go into your um, package manager, you can look for, uh, what is it, GNOME 3 shell, and there should be about five different things you can add, and that will change 
change that. One of them is they'll change that shutdown menu to instead of say log off, it'll change it to your power off. But that's it, it's it's a gnome thing. I don't understand why they moved to gnome three. I agree with you. Gnome three is half baked. It shouldn't have. It, it should be back in the oven or thrown away. Um, but you can do the fallback mode, which is your gnome classic, uh, or you could be like me. I'm starting to play with KDE because KDE at least is fully baked now, not half baked when it was first released. Um, but yeah, where I'm going to stand on that molehill is. Did I drop off, guys? <laughs> I'm showing that my connection's reconnecting. Um, well, you said the way I stand on that is, and then we didn't hear anything after that. I, w- I will Hill say, the last yeah. okay. So I thought that was a dramatic pause. The yeah. way I stand on that is, Mohill. <laughs> I will say one. <laughs> I will say one thing for Fedora. Um, whenever the live CD ran, I had wireless. I didn't have to like look for some driver or you know plug the LAN in. My wireless was working on a very old laptop. You're working on right? Very old. It's a compact NC sixty one twenty POS system, <laughs> <laughs> and that doesn't mean point of sale. But you could use it for point of sale. No, it is. It's very very old machine. Um, and so props to Fedora because I know that like whatever version of Windows. The first thing I'm going to have to do is go to the uh, company's website and get drivers over to this via CD or USB key. So, good job, Fedora, for that. Now just fix GNOME 3. <laughs> and well, who you're is, not the only one that's having those issues. That That's a, an excellent uh, statement that I'm going to turn into a question. Who is working on GNOME 3? Is it backed by anybody? Is Red Hat backing that? Um, as far as I remember, and this is for me pulling up from knowledge here, um, GNOME 3 is its own entity, and it's being backed by a lot of people that are just um, basic developers. Uh, you have your GNOME community, and then whenever donations go to see the Banshee project, they actually go through GNOME first, if I remember correctly. I think Novell is a financial backer for GNOME 3 as as well as uh, the Red Hat company, but don't quote me on that. Uh, But as far as a parent company, I don't think there really is one. I think they are their own entity. I know that Ubuntu has put a lot of effort into GNOME over the years, Um, uh, but they are not embracing embracing GNOME 3 at all. Uh, and uh, OpenSUSE is really working uh, hard and heavy with KDE. That's the one they've uh, kind of hitched their wagon to. So who who's given the love to GNOME? Well, right now Fedora is. They're the only ones that are really pushing the the, the GNOME desktop down people's throats. Um, and like I like I was saying earlier, personally, I ran GNOME three since release day of Fedora fifteen. I'm actually trying to move away from it now. Um, GNOME 3 just, it, it, it's broken in my opinion. It, it's, it shouldn't have, it shouldn't have, should not have been released yet. Uh, maybe for developers, but definitely not for the basic user. It is the GNOME Foundation since 2000 has been responsible for a GNOME. Right. I knew that. I was just wondering if anybody, 
uh, cared because <laughs> <laughs> like uh, Chris uh, so uh, tactfully put it uh, Ubuntu has uh, chosen to go a different way uh, in their recent I mean they're still using gnome right now but uh, what is it 1104 uh, no we're on 1104 1204 is supposed to be or maybe even 1110 is supposed to be using the Wayland windowing system and not using gnome at all 1104 See, is well, supposed to be the last one I read yeah, that's and actually Fedora was going to go that way too. They were going to and actually Wayland is uh, X. Wayland replaces X the, the X system, not GNOME. Right, but but GNOME doesn't run on GNOME ha- needs X to run on, so you've got to go somewhere else once you right. once you go Wayland. So that that was my point, but I didn't express it clearly. Thank you for correcting me. Um, that, this is. All uber geek stuff, and if you're listening and you're uh, a home user, um, I apologize for that, but that's it's the kind of stuff that is important to hash out in the community. Uh, and so Aaron, our, our noob in residence, is probably not getting much of this, but the end result is right now on, what would you say, number three uh, biggest uh, distribution on DistroWatch gives you something that is unusable. Broken. At the uh, out of the box. I mean, that's harebrained. I, I don't understand. Like Vista or something. <laughs> well, this is you know this works better than Vista. <laughs> maybe if they charged you 120 bucks for it, people would be more comfortable with it. Maybe that's the yeah, difference. Yeah, maybe. Well, the the problem with Vista is they only put half the name. You know, they should have put uh, what's the word in Spanish? Mark Fuero. Is that out? Should have been Vista Fuero. Look out! But they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow! Or a, or, the, or a tilde in front of Vista, so that way you think it's about Vista, <laughs> close to. Okay, <laughs> wow! No, no love here for Vista. I, I got to say, after Service Pack One, and certainly after Service Pack, pack Two, Vista settled down and is. I'm running it at home on two different computers, and and see no reason to upgrade. Service Pack Three, aka Windows Seven. Right. Well, and the pro, like I say, the problem with Vista was trying to run it on hardware that worked under XP. True. Uh, when I bought a computer that had six gigs of RAM and a quad core processor, Vista hummed. So do you think sweet music to, to bring it back to Linux? Do you think that's what we're looking at now that maybe, uh, we're GNOME is just GNOME three and is just released before its time? Is it a hardware issue or is it a software issue? Uh, do we have an opinion on that? I think it's both personally. Um, for example, my laptop right now is running an NVIDIA, uh, what is it, GT2240M. You know, it's not a bad graphics processor, but if I'm running GNOME 3 on my laptop, my power fans constantly run. Um, it's literally overheating, for lack of a better term, because the, the power maximizer is constantly on full graphics the entire time because the Windows system is is... Um, a 3D environment. So you end up with you for a desktop machine, you wouldn't notice any difference. But on on any laptop, you're going to have problems with battery life, with um, heating issues, um, and that's one of the reasons why my laptop isn't running Fedora right now is because it 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 just can't run. Um, my battery life on any other distribution that is not GNOME three or Unity. I get about three to four hours of battery life on my laptop. On GNOME 3 in, or Unity or any of those other comp, uh, compising uh, desktops, I get maybe an hour. 
So right. there's a problem there. And until the hardware community gets to the point where battery life is, is better and so is um, the, the heat output of these machines, I don't think GNOME 3 or any of these other um, graphics-powered desktops are going to be on the laptop market. It, it just seems silly to me to have and not be able to turn it off is my other thing. You can't, like in uh, with GNOME 2, if you wanted your, your Compiz effects, your 3D Cube and your wobbly windows and all that jazz, you can have them when you want them, and you can turn them off when you want them off. With GNOME 3, you're stuck with them on all the time. There is no off. If you want it off, you go back to classic mode. And that kind of it's funny that you, you say that because I heard somebody complaining about a similar thing on a new phone that's coming out that they're working on a, a big 3D thing for the phone, but there's no option to turn it off. And that was what, exactly what they were complaining about. Okay, so I think we've pounded on GNOME 3 enough. Uh, maybe GNOME 3.1 will be better. I, my fear is nobody's going to use it. I mean, you, you kind of get one shot in the Linux community. And if you release a dud, it, you're not, it's not like Vista. People won't buy it anyway. People won't uh, live with it and wait for the next thing. Uh, it'll just die. And that's a shame because GNOME, uh, not just the windowing system, but the GNOME project has brought us lots of stuff. The whole GTK toolkit is, uh, uh, responsible for all all kinds of applications. Um, and that's another thing that worries me about, uh, Ubuntu jumping off of X11, uh, because we're going to totally rewrite these things. Uh, sure, there'll be an emulator that'll make it work, uh, but it won't ever be native until it's totally rewritten. And, uh, I understand sometimes you got to, um, you know, cut your losses and move forward, but, uh, I'm, I think maybe you got to get things better, you know, before. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a murky sort of thing. Um, but GNOME 3, uh, Fedora 15, uh, I can't think of anybody I, I can re recommend it to. I mean, uh, even the most hardcore enthusiast. Uh, I, I guess if you like broken stuff, Fedora 15 is for you. Um, otherwise, it, no. I would, say, I would say if you're a developer and want to try and fix something, right. no, Fedora 15 and GNOME 3 is for you. Um, but if you're looking for something... That is, you know, the the bee's knees and and is ready to rock out of the box. Don't go Fedora right now. Now wait, wait and see what 15's like. Yeah, let's talk about that. Um, for, uh, most Linux distributions and Fedora is no exception will support some. They come out with Fedora's on a six month release cycle. Is that correct? Nine. Nine month. Okay, nine, nine month, month. Re uh, release cycle, and and they will support things for uh like two years after they're released. So if you're running on 14, you don't have to upgrade to 15. If you're happy with 14, it'll be supported with, with updates and things for a while longer. So you could skip from 14, uh, all the way to 17, um, without, you know, without really worrying about anything. So you could skip 15 and 16 and we're only talking 18 months, you know, so, uh, right. there's no, uh, you can still go download older versions. Um, personally, I was a big fan of Fedora 6. I thought it was the best Fedora ever. And I think after that, they started going downhill. And that's when I jumped ship and started using other distributions. But if you find one you like, you don't have to upgrade. Um, and you won't be left with no support if you don't. Yeah. If my first, my first, um, exposure to Fedora is 15, 
And I've got to say, just if I were just at home sitting with this, this would also be my last exposure to Fedora. And here's what worries me. What if that were your first exposure to Linux? Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, and the thing is, it's wasn't known the Linux desktop and KDE was kind of the underdog that was fighting to get market share. For a long time. Well, now, you know, especially with Ubuntu jumping ship, they just pulled all their resources out of GNOME and how fast, you know, if how fast is three going to get better? Because, you know, eventually it will. But if you took one of take one of the major distros and it's just like we're leaving you behind, you just cut the developers working on it. So it's going to stay like this for a while. Good point. And that's a that's a problem that KDE had, because back when K before GNOME 2 was big and bad, it was KDE. It, it's this power uh it's this ebb and wave of between the desktop environments gnome was the big guy before gnome was the big guy kde was the big guy and kde was the desktop of choice for a long time um version two and a half to three and a half uh, was kde's powerhouse they were the the king and then when they released kde version four the original release of kde4 that's when everyone jumped off of KDE and started going GNOME. And once they went to GNOME, they never looked back because KDE was so broken. KDE's been broken for, uh, I think KDE's now at 3.5, so, or 4.5, I think. 4.5, All yes. up until, yeah. Um, KDE, in my opinion, was broken until it got to 4.3. And that was, what, a year ago? Right. So it's... Uh you're right. It's an ebb and flow. It's a, and it's a good thing, I guess, that to have options, uh, because if KDE weren't there and Gnome stepped in it, we'd all be in big trouble. Um, but anyway, well, we just end up using something else, something like, uh, XFCE or LXDE, which I think are substandard desktop environments for a, a major chunk of the people. Um, right. it, they do have their place, but I, I don't think they're prime time um, environments. For prime example, if you're running um, in a like at a school, like you and me, Mark, um, and you run LXDE or XFCE, you can't browse the network shares. Well, Windows network shares, right? Right. Well, in well, most network shares in general, even if you're using the network file system share. Right. You can't browse the network, which bra- is broken in my opinion. That has to be there to be prime time. That, that um, just, yes, you can. I'm sorry. Well, I'm going to go off topic just a little bit. You you talked about the network file uh, system. Uh, stands for NFS. That's sort of the default um, um, way to share files in Linux. But when I first heard about it, somebody told me that NFS stands for not effing secure. Um, and I believed it for a long time. I didn't know it stood for network file system. <laughs> I thought it actually meant not effing secure. That's funny. Well, it's just like when I heard uh, NTFS, there's an acronym for that. I'm not even sure I want to know. Same idea. Yeah. Not too effing smart. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, um... Uh, I think we can can stop beating Gnome about the head and shoulders now and uh, uh, go ahead and, and move to wrapping this up. So, Mr. Godfather of the command line, what is your command line tip of the week? Command us, oh, Godfather. Go out and end map, my, my fellow command line junkies. 
Nmap is probably uh, a port scanner's dream. Um, it is a software that will scan the network um, that you pointed at, and they'll tell you what ports are open. Um, you know, and it has pages and pages of switches to change the way it looks for things. But if you wanted a quick scan to find out what computers have what ports open, so you could see if uh, if your server's online or if your computer has a bug in it, Nmap's the way to go. And there is a GUI version of it, right? Yes, there is, called ZenMap. ZenMap. I've used that, uh, and it's, it's kind of cool. It gives you a graphical representation of your network, and you can see what it looks like. But uh, for the for the people who like like you who don't run window managers, who just have a, a desk a terminal and nothing else, um, NMAP, that's the letter N and MAP. Yeah, I've used that, the, that application also in the past, and it, it, it's pretty cool, for, especially for, for free. Works right. great. Is um, Wireshark based on Nmap, or is it totally different? I think those it's, are two different things. Okay. Yeah, they're totally two different things. Wireshark is pack, packet capturing, and Nmap is for um, scanning ports. Okay. But used together, use Nmap to find out what's open, use Wireshark to find out what's happening, and you are elite hacksaw. <laughs> or something. <laughs> So, Seth, what is your uh, end user tip of the week for this week? Well, I was... You're going to talk about how great Fedora is, right? And that end users should run out and grab it? Yes, run out and grab it to save other people. From <laughs> <laughs> no, my uh, my consumer and end user tip of the week is some. if you want... Everybody today normally has a pretty good machine that could handle the virtual environment. And I thought it would be really cool is if you got a VM player such as VMware's player or VirtualBox and then run a virtual machine in that. But each one of those has in their communities pre-built virtual machines. So you don't have to like, how do I configure this? You can just kind of, you know, import the virtual machine and run it. And I was going to for this week practice with Fedora 15 in a virtual box, but it come to find out. Um, the only way to download that was with BitTorrent, and apparently there's only one person in the entire world who has that seated, and I could never get the whole thing to download. So, and now having installed it, you know exactly why. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, I I will be doing this, but I'm going to pick some of the other more popular or easier to use distributions, maybe Ubuntu or maybe try a small one like Puppy because that's really easy to play around in. But, you know, this way you have the VM player on your machine. You don't have to build a VM. You don't have to, you know, is there any spec? Because I know some OSs, when you're installing them inside a virtual machine, sometimes it's a little different. But if you get a pre-built virtual machine, you can just import it and run it. So rather than taking the time to figure out how to install it in a virtual machine, just go and download a virtual machine and then fire it up and you can get to play with it real quickly. I'm going to do that. It is a great way to experiment with things. Um, you have to put up with the way somebody else configured it, right? And with a password they set and things like that. But uh, uh, it is a great way to uh, 
to quickly get your feet going and not have to mess with the whole installation thing. Yeah, and that was one thing with Fedora on the torrent page. There was like a little file, you know, it said the default username and the default password was. And so I copied those into a text file and I put it in the same directory I was downloading Fedora to. And I am going to cancel that download and move on to a uh, a good version of Linux. <laughs> Something that works. Yes. All right, Aaron. Or at least something that isn't broken. Yes. yes. Aaron, what is your noob discovery of the week? Well, what I discovered when I was researching Fedora for this show is that the term Fedora was in use as early as 1891, which I think predates uh, GNOME 3. And it was originally a woman's fashion, and it wasn't popular for men until 1919. And uh, originally they were sold unshaped and people shaped them themselves until the popular styles came up and they started selling them in that manner. And the word actually came from a title of a play. So um, that's what I discovered as I was researching Fedora. Wow. I have no words. That's, um, that's thorough, my friend. That's thorough. How about off the beaten path? <laughs> that's awesome, man. When Aaron said he was doing research for the show, he meant he was doing research for the show. All the way back to the beginning. (laughs) Wait till till we talk about windows one day. (laughs) You're going to talk about blowing glass from sand? Well, originally was, uh, you know, um, scrapes animal skins that were dried over time in the sun. Oh, my God. Stretched over the the openings of of of, uh, mud huts. Sort nice. of eight thousand eighty. Nice. Okay, but don't waste it. Don't don't uh, don't waste a, t- uh, a new yeah. discovery. I also uh, just said eight thousand AD, which I don't <laughs> think has happened yet. Aaron, you have way too much time on your hands. Oh man, uh, <laughs> the scary thing is he doesn't. I know this guy. He's busy Golly. minute by. I, I guess you can jog with your smartphone and look this sort of stuff up while you're running, right? Well, Seth actually text messaged me last night, and I tried to reply, but I was in a, a dead zone on my phone. I was like, he was asking me what kind of running shoes I had, and I said, well, right now I'm running in my <laughs> Nikes, but my text message didn't go through. So I do multitask. I actually, the first 5K I ever ran, I had somebody text me while I was running it to wish me a happy Thanksgiving. Nice. <laughs> I was like, thanks, same to you. Yeah. Running a 5K, call you later. <laughs> then. <laughs> All right. And if you want more of this hilarity, uh, come on over to our website at elementop.com. Check out our other uh, podcasts, including Aaron's uh, One Meal, One Workout podcast. Thank you for the plug, Mark. Uh, You're welcome very much. And Seth is reminding me that I don't have a tip this week, and I'm just – he's right. I don't have a tip this week. Uh, Moving right along. I do three different shows. If I have to have have three tips a week, uh, I just won't be able to do it. So when I have a good tip, I'll bring it. Otherwise, you guys are covering it for me. So anyway, uh, website elementop.com and check out all of our uh, podcasts. Goodness, the the forums are there where you can uh, find each of these guys. Uh, You can ask them questions and they may even give you answers. Uh, lots of good stuff there. And when you go there, there will be even more good stuff there because as I've often said, our shows, uh, are simply an extension of our audience. We work for you. This is your show. Uh, we just happen to be the ones sitting next to microphones. Uh, you can email us at edl at elementop.com or simply go to the, uh, uh, website and click the contact us button. Uh, that will send me an email and I'll forward it on. But if you want to email all of us, um, at one time, edl at elementop.com. And again, that's element 
as in periodic table of elements and OP, OPIE as in OP Taylor, elementop.com, uh, twitter.com slash element OP. You will find a Twitter list there. So if you really want the URL, it's twitter.com slash element OP slash everyday Linux. And that'll let you follow us all in one shot. And, uh, so you can find out, uh, what's going on in our lives. Find out when Aaron is running that, uh, 5K and he may actually tweet from it. And uh, you'll get all that uh, great information. So, uh, guys, anything I've left out? Anything you want to say before we uh, sign off for the week? Aaron, that was the best I've laughed this week. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, guys. As always, it's been a pleasure, and it's been information informationative, informative. Uh, that's the <laughs> word. And uh, we look forward to next time. And so, for now, that ends this episode of Everyday X. Bye bye. Bye, y'all. See ya. Night, John Boy. Oh.